welcome to the Real Life Church Podcast. Here at Real Life, we exist to make disciples of Jesus who are known by love. We hope you enjoy the message. How many guys are glad your sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus? Y'all are probably looking at it and say, man, RC sure looks good today beside this. Nah. Hey guys, it is my honor and my joy to introduce... I accept that. <laughs> I can't wait to introduce you guys to my pastor. Pastor Matt Erickson is here from Lincoln, Nebraska with us today. And uh... Come on, man. Well, good morning, Real Life Church. How are we doing? Everybody good? That's what I'm talking about. Good to see you. I'm glad to be here. Are we preaching together? No, no. Make yourself you, at home. I love you. You sure? Yeah. Come on, everybody. Give it up for Pastor R.C. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And give it up for, this is, this is my son, uh, Cooper. Give it up for Cooper. Awesome. He uh, thankfully decided to retire from baseball so he could travel with me every now and again. Um, he actually went to college in Spartanburg last year and decided, you know what? I want to travel with my dad. And so Actually, that's not entirely what it was, but uh, I'm grateful for it anyway. I'm grateful for it anyway. Well, like Pastor R.C. said, uh, my name is Matt Erickson, and I am from Lincoln, Nebraska. Anybody in the room know where Nebraska is? Okay, okay, a handful of us. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody else, it's just up north somewhere, kind of, you know, just further north. It's a lot colder than it is here. Uh, we came in this morning, and Pastor R.C.'s like, let, let me get you inside. And we're like, we're loving life, man. This feels great. You know what I mean? Uh, it, just, uh, it just felt fantastic. So here's something that you need to know about me is um, while I live in Nebraska, which means that the majority of church life in Nebraska is kind of boring. It's a bit of a snooze fest, if I'm being honest. Um, I didn't learn how to do church in Nebraska. I learned how to do church in Georgia, where I worked on staff at a church for about 13 years. And so um, one thing that I've learned over that time is that a quiet church makes me nervous, okay? And so here's what we teach our people in Lincoln at Mercy City is that we are a holla back church, okay? Somebody say holla back. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And so n nobody in Lincoln does what y'all just did. Nobody, I had to teach everybody. So here's what Hollaback sounds like. Like say amen. amen. But they would say amen. You know what I mean? We say uh, preach preacher. Yeah, we say ride that donkey. Uh-huh. My personal favorite that uh, everybody has really begun to love is get it white boy. They, they love it, man. They love it. So here's what we're going to do on the count of three. You're going to use your favorite, amen, preach, preacher, ride the donkey, get a white boy, or some of you young folks, young folks in here, um, I've been made aware that maybe I was discriminating against young folks, so um, I had to add something in for them. So we, if you're young, you like, you can say bussin' respectfully okay you gotta you gotta put the respectfully on it you know what I'm saying so you just practice your favorite on the count of three one two three okay okay I about I almost felt like I was at church y'all this is about to be fun we are going to preach let me say church we're about to have church let me let me introduce you to my uh-oh uh-oh 
There we go. My family. So right there is my wife standing next to me to my left. Her name is Carrie. She and I co-pastor the church together, much like what Pastor R.C. and Jenny do. Here we lead Mercy City, and we have for about nine years. Um, we actually moved to Lincoln to start Mercy City Church, and it has been a joy, man. It's been a lot of fun. And then we've got Cooper on the far right. We've got, I think that's Lila Jane, who is our youngest, so our oldest and our youngest right there. She's 14, and she is absolutely my favorite of all my kids. She's, she's my favorite. Uh, Cooper already knows this. He, he's been around for 20 years. He's old news, you know what I mean? So um, anyway, I, I, I still love him. It's just I don't love him as much as Lila, you know? Um, and then on the end, on the far left there, we've got Eli and Emery. They are 18-year-old twins. Both of them attend Southeastern University and are, um, you know, just doing really, really good. So I think I have a beautiful family. Um, they all make me look really good. So, yeah. Very good. If you're on social media, if you're on social media, I'd love for us to be able to connect on social media. That's a QR code. If you're not familiar with those, you can scan them and follow me and connect with me on social media. I would love that. Speaking of social media, okay, can I challenge you? Can I challenge you? Let's use social media to let people know about our church, okay? So does anybody in here use social media? Okay, if you do, pull out your phone right now, and I want you to check in at Real Life Church. Go to your Facebook, go to your Instagram, whatever your preferred platform is, and check in. Let somebody know that you go to Real Life Church, because if a church is crazy enough to let you in, well, they might be crazy enough to let your friend in too, you know what I'm saying? And so one of, the, one of the great ways that we've grown our church in the last nine years is by word of mouth, okay? We didn't have a large budget to do marketing, and so what we did was we started utilizing our social media connections. The average person has 600 ties on their social media platforms, okay? And so that means that you are potentially letting 600 people know about Real Life Church. Hey, you could, put, you could, you could type in the, in the check-in. Hey, join me next week. I'll save you a seat. You know, join me next week. Pastor RC will buy you lunch, okay? Something like this, and just let them know that they can join you at church. Social media is a powerful tool. So let me say a powerful tool. So listen, I want to uh, just take one second to, to really thank you for the opportunity to be here. Pastors R.C. and Jenny, thank you guys for having us all the way from Nebraska. I know that, you know, it's always a roll of the dice to welcome somebody in uh, and give them your stage, you know, and an opportunity to speak on a Sunday morning. And so I don't take that lightly. This is a big deal. Um, and, and I just, I honor you. I honor the way that you've led. Uh, I honor the way that you're going to continue to lead. Um, it's been a joy to get to know you over this last season and really begin to hear your hearts and see what God's doing in you personally. But now that I'm seeing it in the life of your church, it's a really, really big deal. And so, you know, I want you to know that Pastor Kerry and I honor you. We love you guys, and we're so proud of you. And so, listen, let's continue to do this together for a long time. Does that sound good? Come on, everybody. Will you give it up for your pastors? They're fantastic. They're fantastic. They are fantastic. So, like I said, don't be getting quiet on me now, everybody. 
about to weird somebody out. It is such an honor to be here. It's always, always, always a privilege to meet the people of God around the country and just to see what God's doing so specially, so specifically, and so significantly in the different areas that he's uh, ever allowed me to go. And man, I'm telling you, I believe that God's doing some significant things right here. Um, yesterday, we got to spend some time with some of the leaders and, and really encourage one another and really just see what God's doing and, and spend time kind of, you know, just giving some challenge and some encouragement about where we might see God moving in this next season. And then I got to hang out with your pastors and he drove me all over the South Carolina, I think. I mean, I don't know where we went. We were driving all over the place. And um, I told Cooper, we were following Pastor R.C., and, and I said, um, well, here's where we really find out whether or not he liked what I said this morning because we are far out in the backwoods. <laughs> and there's an opportunity. There's a, there's a chance that we might not be coming home, buddy. Uh, GPS is not working. We had no cell service. And anyway, but he just began to... To, he, took us, he took us around and he just really began to share with us some of what God's placed in his heart. And when I'm ever thinking about would I go to a church or attend a church or, uh, you know, partner in a local church or get connected, what I'm always thinking about is, is somebody leading with vision. And, and these guys lead with vision. And I'm really excited about what God's doing. And I'm so excited that you're a part of it because it's a really, really big deal. So today I come all the way from Lincoln, Nebraska. Man, I'm full of faith. I am pumped and I am ready to go because I know you've been in the series called Donkey Mission, right? Donkey Mission, where, you know, we've been going through or you've had the opportunity to read a book from my pastor, Pastor Matt Keller, and it's a fantastic read if you haven't read it yet. I'm encouraging you to, to get into it and really let it speak to you. But the whole point of the thing is, what is the point? Sometimes God sends us on journeys or missions that don't really make sense. They seem too small for us. They seem like they don't really matter. They seem like they're not really significant, like nothing's really going to come of it. And so we wonder why am I doing this? What's the point? Have you ever wondered why am I doing this? What's the, what's the point of this? What's, what's the point of this? Running another errand for your boss? Cleaning your room one more time for your mom. Showing up early one more time to practice vocals. Y'all hear what I'm saying? What's the point of this? What's the point? When am I going to see the payoff? When is this really going to matter? So today I come, and man, I'm telling you, I am full of faith as I bring a message today that I'm calling excuses. Let me say excuses. You know, I had, um, I had this mentor uh, several years ago, and he's an, he's an old southern boy from the backwoods of Georgia, and he said, Matt, excuses are like armpits. I said, okay, Mr. George, tell me about excuses being like armpits. He said, everybody's got them, and if you don't take care of them soon, they all start to stink. And I said, that is a really good point, Mr. George. Thank you for sharing that, you know, uh, wisdom with me. But he's right, isn't he? He's right. 
Everybody's got opportunity to access an excuse in our world, a reason why we can't or why we shouldn't or why we won't, an excuse. But here's the reality of it. If that excuse is anything less than what God is saying, then we are talking ourselves out of God's purpose, his plan and destiny in our lives. We need to deal with that thing soon. We need to cover it with God's word so that it doesn't start to stink, everybody. You ever been around a person who just, they just stank you with excuse? You know what I mean? It's not fun to be around anybody who stanks with excuse. Like, it's not, they don't stink, they stank. You know what I mean? Y'all know what I'm talking about. They, they stank. Anyway, um, let us pray, and then as we do, we'll go ahead and jump into 1 Samuel chapter number 9. 1 Samuel chapter number 9. If you've got a Bible, uh, go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Um, but I, can I tell you something? If you don't bring a paper Bible to church, you don't get extra points when you get to heaven. You know what I mean? You should bring a paper Bible with you to church. I just think that God likes the paper version of the scriptures. Of course, that's nowhere to be found in the Bible. That's just my opinion, so I don't know if that's true. But anyway, um, let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for the wonderful opportunity we have this morning to be in your presence. We don't take it lightly, God. It's a big deal. And so we pray today that by the power of your spirit, you would lead us, that you would guide us, you would show us Jesus like we've never seen him before. God, because we believe it's a revelation of Jesus that you'll build and establish your church. So God, we say let us see Jesus. Reveal the heart, the nature, the person, the power of Jesus that we might leave this place differently than we walked into this place so that you could build your church on us. See, your church is not about a building or a location. It's about a people. Leaving the gathering, the building, and being the church that affects our culture. So God, do in us, do through us today what only you can. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, everybody, give Jesus a big hand clap of praise. <laughs> Knuckle bump somebody next to you and tell them you look good today. Knuckle bump the person on the other side of you and say, you can do better next week. All right, everybody, let's, let's head to the scripture, shall we? 1 Samuel chapter number 9, the Bible says this. There was a wealthy and influential man named Benjamin. His son Saul was the most handsome man in all of Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. And one day, Kish, his son... He was the son of Zerar, Bechereth, and the son of Aphia, the tribe of Benjamin. One day, oh, I'm sorry, guys, my scriptures. Good Lord. So Saul, he told Saul, his son, take your servant with you and go look for the donkey. So Saul took one of the servants and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim, the land of Shalisha, the Shalim area, and the entire land of Benjamin. But they couldn't find the donkeys anywhere. So let me say, da, da, da. How many of y'all know it's a bad day when your dad sends you to look for a donkey and you can't find the dang donkey? It's a bad day. It's a, ba it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad day. 
It's a bad day when you're sent on a mission and you don't actually know why you're on the mission. Finally, they entered the region of Zuph and Saul said to his servant, let's go home. By now, my father is worried about us more so than even the donkeys. But the servant said, I've just thought of something. There's a man of God who lives here in this town. He's held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true. So let's go find him and perhaps he can tell us which way to go. Somebody say, that's a good day. It's a bad day when you're on a mission, you're sent to do something, and you cannot find what it is that you thought that you were set out to find. But it's a good day when you come along somebody who might just be able to help you in the midst of that mission. However, I think it's interesting in this portion of Scripture that Saul was sent on mission by his father. Anybody in here ever been sent on a mission by your father? Anybody ever been sent somewhere by your father? Maybe you're here today because your father woke you up and said, you know what, it's time for you to be at real life this morning. You're sent on a mission. You don't know why you're here. You haven't discovered the purpose of you being here yet. You don't know why you're leading worship. You don't know why you're singing on the the team. You don't know why you're serving the kids. You don't know why God has called you or your father has asked you to do something. You don't know why after COVID, you haven't bounced back. You don't know why. You were sent on mission like that God told you to do something and you're just not sure why. But I think it's so interesting that Saul was sent, he was the son, right? He was sent alongside a servant, a servant alongside a son, a son alongside a servant, a servant alongside a son. Saul was the son. The servant wasn't the son. Saul was the son. Saul, the son, spoke up, and he said, hey, my father is worried. We should go home. Have you ever, as a son, decided to quit something early before it was even complete? The father ever called you to do something, spoken to you to do something that maybe doesn't make sense to you, that maybe you don't like or don't think you can get on board with, and because you don't like it, you get yourself in your attitude and your feelings, and you say, you know what, I probably should go home because my daddy's worried about me. Where you become the focus of the mission rather than the father be the focus of the mission. Anybody ever? Golly, I know that I found myself in that place where I have made myself the focus and not the father the focus. But then Saul Saul was a tricky brother, wasn't he? He said, surely my father is worried about us. He didn't say, I don't want to be here. This is stupid. Right? Because if he said, I don't want to be here, this is stupid, The servant would have known, brother, you you just got a bad attitude. You're making excuses. So he made it sound holy. My father is certainly worried about us. We should probably go back because we don't want to worry him. 
isn't that just the way that we do things? We put enough spiritual language on something to talk ourselves out of the promise or the plan that God has put us on. And so therefore, we shortchange our destiny because God called us into something specific. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so we see people all throughout the church shortchange their destiny because they don't see things through to completion. But here's the deal. Thankfully for Saul, the son, he was surrounded by a servant who operated with vision and said, you know what? Saul, I think you're letting your familiarity with your father talk you out of the destiny that he has for you. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Come on, how many of y'all, how, how long we've been in church? I've been in church now 25 years. I've been working full-time in church for 25 years. There are some places of familiarity on the inside of me where I've become familiar with the Father. I've become familiar with the things of God. And because I've become familiar, I catch an attitude because I get caught in my feelings. Well, this, is, this is a bummer, man. This isn't fun. This isn't cool. I should be here by now, not here. I shouldn't have to serve there. I should be serving here. My father's pretty worried about me, so I better go to the place that I want to be rather than being in the place where the father wants me to be. But thank God for a servant that will come alongside you that's not familiar with the things of God. This is why it's so important that we have new people in the life of our church, somebody who still looks at God with awe, somebody who still looks at God in reverence, somebody who will say, no more excuses. No, no more excuses. No more excuses. Respectfully, I know you've been living for God for 100 years. But we're not going back. We're not stopping short. We're not cutting corners. Respectfully, I know you're mentoring me. Respectfully, I know you're leading me. But my faith is stirred and we can't stop. My faith is stirred and we can't cut corners. My faith is stirred. I heard about a man of God. I heard about a man who, who, who knows God, who's a man of God, and everything he says comes to pass. If you've been serving Jesus for longer than five years, you should be friends with somebody who's brand new. Somebody who is on fire for Jesus. Somebody who, you know, it's just like they are in awe of everything God does. Cooper was telling me about one of his friends. Recently, he's like, man, I love this kid. He's like, he invites everybody to church and invites everybody that he talks to in a relationship with Jesus. He's like, he never meets a stranger, and he just tells everybody. And he's like, I'm thinking to myself, bro, you can't do that. Yet here he is doing it. Why? He's new in his faith. God's done something significant in him. Remember when you were like that? Remember when you were still thinking, I'm a slave and not a son or a daughter? See, what happens sometimes is we start to see ourselves as son and daughter, and then we think we deserve something that we don't deserve necessarily. It was given to us through grace, thank God, but we don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It's through the price Jesus paid. We should always stay in that place of gratitude and thanksgiving. That's not even what I'm preaching about today, everybody. 
I'll tell you why it's important to find a good friend. A good friend will always encourage you when you want to quit. But a bad friend will always encourage you to quit when you want to keep going. Not even when you want to keep going, when you need to keep going. When you need to keep going. Well, I got this really good friend, and, and you know, he just told me that, you know, Matt, you're serving way too much at church, and you probably need to just step back and step out. Well, that brother ain't a good friend. If he's not pointing me to my destiny, if he's not pointing me to my purpose, I'm not saying that we need to overdo it, but I'm also saying we don't need to isolate and separate ourselves from the call of God on our lives either. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Come on, everybody. Pretty quiet. Thought we were Pentecostal church. Thought we a holler back church. Well, I'll just holler myself back. Preach. I'm not trying to be ugly, but here's, here's what I'm sick and tired of seeing. I've got the privilege of going to churches and speaking and, and, and interacting with pastors and teams, and, and I'm just so sick and tired of the enemy talking sons and daughters out of their destiny because we're not surrounding ourselves with servants. We're only and forever surrounding ourselves with other sons and daughters who think we deserve something special. Now, we get something special. We get something special because of the price Jesus paid. Don't miss what I'm saying, but we don't deserve it. We've got to let gratitude stay on the top side of our heart in all things. What if Saul's attitude would have been, you know what? I'm thankful that my dad chose me to go on this donkey mission. It doesn't make sense, and I don't understand it, but I believe that my dad knows something more than I know. He sees something more than I see. He, he, he's aware of something more that I'm aware of. So I th I'm thankful that he chose me to do this. I'm thankful that he chose me to get up early. I'm thankful that he chose me to walk this road. I'm thankful that he chose me to carry this load. I'm thankful that he chose me. Oh, my God, no matter what I go through, today is the greatest day of my life because my daddy chose me to be here. He chose me for this. He looked at me, he looked down from heaven and said, Matt, I choose you for this. What did he choose you for that you're complaining about, but you're surrounded with people who are talking you out of it? Come on, let's surround ourselves with the right people that'll talk, our, talk us into our destiny, not out of our destiny. The right people in your life will always eliminate excuses, and the wrong people in your life will always validate excuses. We need to find some excuse eliminators, not excuse validators. Like, sorry, brother, um, you're, you're, talking, you're talking too low. God's, God's so much greater on the inside of you. Let me encourage you up. Let me encourage you up. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you up. Let me encourage you up, not pull you down. Somebody pulls you down or validates where you are, helps you excuse, they are not your friend. They're not your friend. People will give you horrible advice because they don't want you to out-succeed them. Because here's the deal, here's the deal. If I encourage you in your destiny, guess what I'm, in, guess, guess what I'm holding myself accountable to? The destiny of God. Because I'm not going to encourage you in something that I'm not pursuing. Y'all hear what I'm saying? 
Find the right people to surround yourself with. I'm not even preaching about that this morning. I felt that in the room. I just felt that in the room. I felt that in the room, everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, he felt that in the room. Look back at him and say, probably wasn't for you, though. <laughs> now look back at him and say, it's probably for the guy behind us. Can I tell you something about consistently operating in excuses? It'll always cause you to take an early exit. Consistently operating in excuses will always cause you to take an early exit. Listen, the goal of this thing, this Christian life, is to finish. Everybody thinks the goal is to run fast. It's not. The goal is to run far. And sometimes that means you walk. And sometimes that means you jog. But here's what it means. It always means you do it together. You got to find the right people that want to run with you. Come on, some of y'all need to eliminate those relationships that are validating your excuses. Because it's going to cause you to take an early exit. Some of y'all have stopped and started, started and stopped, stopped and started, started and stopped over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Find yourself a room full of people that will just help you keep going. Just, hey, 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 don't worry about the next five steps. Let's just take the next step. You know what I mean? Don't worry about what happens next month. Let's worry about what happens this month. Don't worry about five years. What's happening this year? You see what I'm saying? And so just surround yourself with people that will encourage you. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just... Wait, what? So I got three thoughts on excuses. Y'all ready for them? Excuses begin with a but. Somebody say excuses begin with a but. Excuses are inevitable. They will come, and we all have them. Here's what we have to know. Our excuses will always show us where our trust really is. Our excuses will always show us where our trust really is. Our trust is either in the plan of the Father, which is most often unseen. It's a faith journey. It requires faith, right? Or it, it, it proves that our faith or our trust is in the plan right in front of us. See, if you have to see it before you believe it, if you have to see it before you step onto it, then you're not walking by faith, you're walking by sight. And you cannot please God without faith, right? And so what our excuses do is they let us know where our trust is. People say to me all the time, oh, Pastor Matt, I, I, I trust in God. I trust in God. I trust in God. And I say, well, why aren't you X, Y, and Z? Well, because I don't have the money. Well, because I don't have the time. Well, because I don't have the fill in the blank, whatever your excuse is. Your excuse lets you know where your trust really is. Because if God said to do something and your trust is in him, then you have no excuses. Everything you say is God said. You know what? I don't have the money to do it, but God said. You know what? I don't have the time, but God said. I don't have the resources, but God said. God said. Where's your trust? Where's your, where's your trust? Excuses will help you identify where your trust is. 
And I know that's hard. That's hard. One of, the, one of the things that God has just gifted me with is he's gifted me with the ability to look at the overflow of my life and really uh, be able to assess where I'm actually at. See, I came up and my, my parents were divorced and my, um, you know, I come from a long line of liars, cheaters, thieves, crooks. For as long as I know, seven generations at least, on both sides of my family, nobody has stayed married because nobody's been faithful in their marriage. Everybody has abused substances. And so I grew up, and the way that I learned, I learned to lie. I learned to cheat. I learned to steal. I learned, I learned dishonesty. And so everything in me, I've had to learn how to navigate my life in honesty and truth. Even after I got saved, I realized I'm getting into this thing, and I'm not telling myself the truth. My heart is, I don't want to lie to anybody else, but it's impossible for me not to lie to anybody else if I'm lying to myself. Like, Matt, you, you don't really want to move forward the way that you say you do because you're not doing the things that you need to do to move forward. Your excuses let you know where your trust is no matter what's coming out of your mouth. I feel like that's for somebody in this room. Come on, let's join together. Let's link arms together. You don't have to stay in that place. God has brought me from that place. He did it in me. I know he can do it in you. There's destiny on the inside of you. There's plan on the inside. There's purpose on the inside of you that God wants to bring to pass. Stop excusing your way out of it. Identify where your trust is by the excuses you hang your hat on. Can I, can I just really encourage you? Let's, let's all take a look at our butts. <laughs> Excuses always begin with a but. God's called me to, but I don't have. God's called me to, but I don't see. God's called me to, but I did. That's the way I talk to myself. Okay, if that, if that hurts your feelings, I'm sorry. It's not my goal to hurt your feelings. But I, I, I want you to know that as a son or a daughter, you don't have to talk yourself out of God's plan anymore. He's placed it on the inside of you to accomplish in a great way. Come on, let's get our eyes on God's butt. That big, glorious, beautiful, amazing butt. Where the world tries to tell you you can't, but God said. The world tries to tell you you're not educated, but God said. The world tries to tell you you don't have the gift, but God said. You don't have the money, the finances, the resources, the know-how, but God said. Let's get our eyes off of our butt and onto his butt. Let's shift our trust and our focus on the butt of God. Excuses always start with a butt. Don't be talked out of.
the plan and the purpose that God has for you. Here's my second thought on excuses. Excuses come from three different places. Excuses come from three different places. The first place they come from is pride. Let's go home. By now my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. They come from pride. He had his focus fixed on him. He thought things like, this is beneath me. I deserve better than this. If they only knew who I was, they wouldn't have asked me to do that. This is humiliating. This is hard. Nobody else is having to do this. If your focus is fixed on you, you're probably operating in pride. Can I tell you what pride is? Pride is any thought that thinks about the effects on me before it thinks about the Father's call. Well, man, I can't, I can't do that because I don't have the time. I can't do that because I don't have. No, 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 that's pride for any thought that thinks of me before it thinks of the Father's call. That's pride. The second place that excuses come from is fear, fear. The Bible says this in verse 7, but we don't have anything to offer him, Saul replied. Even our food is gone, and we don't have anything to give. Excuses come from fear. It comes from I don't have. We don't have. I don't have the time. What would people say? What would they think about me? I can't post on social media that I come to this church. What would they say? I'm fearful of what I will look like or how people will perceive me. But what if somebody's destiny is hanging in the balance? I can't afford to do that. My fear is struck. It's too hard on me. It's too hard on my family. It's too hard on my marriage. Fear ends up driving the decisions we make and ultimately the, the excuses we live in. The third and final place that these excuses come from is from a poverty mentality. But we don't have anything to offer him, Saul replied. Even our food is gone, and we don't have anything to give him. Excuses come from a poverty mentality where we see what can't be done rather than what can be done. I don't know about you, but the way that I'm wired naturally is for a poverty mentality. I'm wired as a pessimist naturally. I see the glass half empty. I see all the things that aren't happening or can't be done. That's how I see naturally. I've had to retrain my thinking. I've had to retrain my mind. I've had to retrain my heart to be not an optimist, not an optimist. I've had to retrain to see everything as an opportunity from heaven. God provides opportunity. See, I come into a place and I see the things that could be better, not the things that are terrible. It's the same thing, but it's a different perspective. One is a poverty mentality and one is not. It's from an opportunity mindset. We say things or think things like this. Well, my boss just won't give me what I need to be successful, so this is what he gets. My spouse isn't even present, so am I really going to try? My parents don't believe in me, so why would I believe in me? That coach didn't give me an opportunity, so I guess it's not for me. I don't have the money. I don't have the connections. I don't have the, the resources. 
I don't have the right last name. I don't come from the right side of the tracks. Come on, do you see how poverty sets into our minds? Guys, in reality, we can all find reasons why something can't be done every single day, every single decision that we make, because none of us have enough of you fill in the blank on what the enemy tries to convince you you don't have enough of. I'm here to tell you this morning, you have enough in the person of Jesus, in the power of God, you have enough. The last thought on excuses, Ben, you guys can come back. We're going to land this plane. We're going to get out of here and get to the buffet. How's that sound? Everybody feel good about that? Good. Excuses are destroyed by faith. We've got to be people who find a way to muster up faith no matter what it takes. We've got to be people who find a way to muster up faith no matter what it takes. It's interesting to me that it was the servant who saw through eyes of faith and not the son. It was the servant who saw through eyes of faith, not the son. The son saw through poverty. The servant saw through opportunity. The son was caught in pride. The servant operated in humility. But here's a few lessons that I think can be learned. That even a son's promise can be derailed if his trust isn't in the right place. Many of us have come in, we know we're sons and daughters. But we're not walking in the fullness of the promise, the destiny that God has for us. It's been derailed. It's been derailed. Because our trust isn't in the right place. Another thing that I think we can learn is that no matter who you think you are, you can always learn from someone else in the room. No matter who you think you are, you can always learn from someone else in the room. And we need to posture our hearts as learners. People who are willing to learn from someone younger, learn from someone less experienced, learn from someone older, learn from someone who is more experienced. We need to posture our hearts as learners. And the last thing is this. Sometimes the only thing that keeps us going on our donkey missions are borrowed faith. Verse 8 says this. Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. And we can at least offer that to the man of God. And then we'll see what happens. Sometimes all we have that keeps us going is a little borrowed faith. So I studied that out, and that silver piece is the equivalent of 50 cents. Modern time, 50 cents. So you mean to tell me that a son who had access to a kingdom was going to forfeit his destiny over 50 cents that got him an opportunity? The thing that would have made this even more tragic is that the circumstance wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the stuff. It was about the faith. It was about the posture of his heart. He's saying, what's the point? And the servant knew the point is 
your heart. The point is your faith. The point is your trust. The point is we got to work excuses out of you. On the surface, it looked like Saul borrowed 50 cents, but he didn't borrow 50 cents. He borrowed faith. You ever been talked out of something in your world? And you thought it was about the stuff, but really the attack was on your faith. The dollar amount looked too big. What was required looked too big. It wasn't about the stuff. It was about the faith required to get you in that place. And sometimes the greatest thing that we can get somebody to give us is not 50 cents. It's the faith that's attached to the 50 cents. And some of us in this room have been stuck for years as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we've talked ourselves out of because we thought we had a lack of resources. But it wasn't a lack of resources. It was a lack of faith. And God sent somebody from Lincoln, Nebraska, y'all don't even know where it's at, to tell you that you got friends in low places that got faith for you to borrow. I can't give you 50 cents. I can't give you money. I can't give you the resources. But what I can give you is the faith that comes with the resources. I can give you the faith. In fact, this morning, a thousand people in Nebraska were praying for you, praying for your pastors by name. We can't give you all the resources that you need, but I came this morning to give you some faith, to break you out of your excuses, to say it's time to move forward. It's time to move forward in your marriage. It's time for you to move forward in your calling. God is not done with you. You are not too old. You are not too far gone. You are here for a purpose and a reason. God's got a plan. You're kicking your feet and you're thinking, I wish that I would have had this 20 years ago. I wish I would have had this 30 years ago. Well, you didn't have it then, but you got it now. What are you going to do with the next 10? What are you going to do with the next 20? Let's go. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I want to pray for some folks. Is that okay? And as I pray for you, Pastor RC, Pastor Jenny are going to join us. My son Cooper is going to join us. And we're just going to believe by faith that God is going to break the door of those excuses. God brought a servant from Nebraska to say, son, daughter, we're not stopping short. We're not cutting corners anymore. It's time to continue moving forward. We're not taking the easy way out. We're going to lean into the promise, the plan, the destiny that God has for us. So if you would stand up on your feet. And what we're going to do, when we pray for you, we're going to give you 50 cents. I don't want you to go spend it. Because what this 50 cents could get you pales in comparison to what it represents. I want you to keep it in your left pocket every day for as long as you need to. You put your hand in your pocket, you're like, ooh, borrow faith.
I got the faith for this. No more excuses. No more excuses. I'm not talking myself out of this anymore. No more excuses. I got it. Okay, God, I see you. You're discouraged at work tomorrow. Okay, God, I see you. You're discouraged with your kids. Okay, God, I see you. You're discouraged because your marriage feels like it's falling apart. Okay, God, I see you. No more excuses. I'm borrowing some faith, and I'm taking this faith as a daughter, as a son. I'm going to move forward in the things that God has for me. That's what I'm going to do. And so I don't, I don't know, I don't know how y'all do it. What we do, we just say, y'all come. That's what we say. And so if, if you, if that's you, you say, Pastor Matt, I, I need some, I've been excusing my way out of some things and I need some faith today. That's me. I need some faith today. I just want you to come. And I don't know if y'all line up or what you, what you do. And we're just going to come. And as we pray for you, as we pray for you, give us a little bit of room so we can come through. As we pray for you, we're going to give you 50 cents. And it's not about the 50 cents. It's about what it represents. Are y'all ready? The team's going to lead us in some worship. Come on, let's engage in worship. Come on, let's put our eyes on the Father. Come on, let's put our eyes on the Father. Let's put our eyes on the Father. Oh, my God. We love you, oh God. Come on, if you're comfortable, would you lift your hands just as a simple sign of surrender? No more excuses.
Would you lift your hands? Come on, this is what I love about this is what I love about church. This is what I love about Jesus. This is never a spectator sport. It's always a participator sport. Like we don't have to just look on at what God's doing to everybody else. We can receive wherever we are in the room. If you're joining us online, you can receive right there. I love that. Holy Spirit, we ask that you invade our space. In fact, you don't even have to invade. We, we open the door. We say, do in us and through us what only you can. We love you, oh God. We honor you, God. Come on, just begin to tell the Lord, no more excuses for me. No more excuses at my house. Any mission you send me on is a mission I'm about. Any mission you send me on is a mission I'm about. Don't get too scared. He probably won't make you move to Nebraska. That's what he did to me, but he probably won't make you do that. But any mission you send me on is a mission I'm about. Come on, just let him know that from the depths of your heart. Any mission you send me on is a mission I'm about. And I'll look for the purpose. I'll surround myself the posture of a servant. While I'm a son, while I'm a daughter. Thank you, oh God. Come on, we're going to pray for a few more people. But from the front to the back, I just I want to encourage you. Let's worship. Let's, let's stay engaged with God's presence. For more information to give, or if you need prayer for anything at all, please visit reallifechurchsc.com.